Hi, I'm Andrew Belt from Patrizia, a leading partner for global real assets. I'm the editor of Estatements, a twice-yearly thought leadership magazine which shines a light on the key topics within the sector. And this is Patrizia Real Insights Editor's Picks. The second edition of Estatements was published last month, and in this podcast we will share two of the articles from the magazine, which was themed on the tech underpinning ESG. Some articles directly address how technology plays a key role in decarbonising the built environment, while others focus on investment themes largely linked to sustainability. If we are to meet our net zero targets, there will need to be an acceleration in the retrofitting of existing buildings. But how do you go about this? In our article entitled, It Isn't Easy Going Green, we explore the opportunities and complexities involved in turning brown assets green with commentary from Patricia, Head of Real Estate Development, UK and Ireland, Dan Williams. Kermit the Frog, the ringmaster of the Muppets, an anarchical cast of puppet characters popular on the silver screen, once lamented in song that it's not easy being green. Property owners, managers and developers can sympathise. With governments under pressure to meet the Paris Agreement commitments, climate change goals seeking to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, attention is swinging towards the role buildings play in producing carbon dioxide, CO2. The World Green Building Council calculates that buildings are responsible for 39% of global energy-related carbon emissions, 28% from the energy needed to heat, cool and power them, and 11% from materials and construction. According to research by Chatham House, the production of cement accounts for 8% of global carbon emissions. As approximately 80% of buildings that will be standing in 2050 have already been built, existing stock must be decarbonised to achieve the European Union goal of net zero by 2050. In cities like Brussels, London and Paris, authorities now discourage ground-up developments – Instead, they prefer older buildings be retrofitted, such as ensuring facades and heating or cooling systems are more energy efficient. Lord Deben, chairman of the UK's Climate Change Committee, said in 2021, We have to learn to make do and mend, instead of pulling down buildings as a matter of course. When developers insist on starting from scratch, their plans can become the basis for complex calculations on embedded carbon. Increasing awareness of brown to green is reflected in the Patrizia Client Survey 2023. Some 85% of the 120 investors who responded believe brown to green development will increase over the next 12 months, of which nearly a quarter expect a significant increase. At the same time, two out of three anticipate an uplift in capex and refurbishment programs, reflecting growing investor focus on value creation through hands-on asset management. Dan Williams of Patrizia says, There is now a growing legislation framework driving this. The EU sees renovating buildings as essential to avoid climate catastrophe and is pushing for energy efficiency in the sector and backing it with funds from the European Green Deal. Then you have 27 national governments setting their own targets for energy reduction, so momentum is building. As head of real estate development UK and Ireland, Dan works on refitting significant projects, including the Louise, an iconic 24-storey landmark office in Brussels. As part of the project scheduled to be finished by quarter one 2024, the complete facade and all mechanical and electrical equipment are being replaced. 
The extent of the sustainable refit has attracted heavyweight law firm Clifford Chance as the building's anchor tenant when it opens. Dan explains that the green push is primarily to reduce the energy used in buildings. Nearly two-thirds, 62% of building stock in the EU was built before 1980 and over 80% must be upgraded to achieve the 2050 sector goal of climate neutrality. But only about 1% of the EU's building stock is renovated each year. According to a report commissioned by the National Trust, Historic England and property organisations, improving the energy efficiency of historical properties alone, those built before 1919, could reduce carbon emissions from UK buildings by 5% each year. As an example of the trend, Dan points to regulations that mean from next year, UK landlords cannot rent non-residential property if it holds an energy performance certificate of F or G rating. This has been in effect for residential since 2020. The consequence is that buildings could become stranded, that is, fall victim to brown discount, a loss in value due to not being ESG compliant, if left untouched. Less energy efficient commercial real estate coupled with rising energy prices will become difficult to let and sell, leading to reduced rental income and asset value. Dan comments, That is having a major impact on value. We're seeing discounts already and that will keep getting wider the closer we get to 2050. There are many ways a building can be made green for little cost. One is to procure more green energy sources or distributed green energy, such as by installing rooftop solar panels or via a power purchase agreement with energy producers. However, there are other relatively inexpensive ways, such as refurbishment and retrofitting works, which can include converting to LED lighting, adding heat pumps or installing a smart energy control system. A combination of approaches is often adopted, but upfront costs and outlays associated with disruption to occupiers can be significant when more fundamental changes are required. The main reason building owners balk at retrofits comes down to economics. Dan explains that most of the energy used in buildings goes out through the roof or the walls, which means projects may need to consider replacing the facades to obtain greater energy efficiency, which can be costly. Ironically, by replacing the facade for greater thermal efficiencies, you also lose embodied carbon, which is a negative. Arguments swirl around embodied carbon. While buildings have become more energy efficient to run, massive amounts of energy are required during construction, and therefore vast quantities of carbon are emitted. Embodied carbon emissions include the materials and construction processes throughout the whole life cycle of a building and eventually demolishing it, such as transporting the waste and recycling it. Retailer Marks & Spencer is currently challenging a decision to block its plans to demolish its 90-year-old flagship Art Deco store in London, plans previously approved by Westminster City Council, which have courted controversy on account of the 39,500 tonnes of carbon emissions it would create. To offset that, 2.4 million trees would need to be planted. From the perspective of achieving carbon neutrality, it makes more sense to refurbish such structures rather than build new ones. But not always. Developers often counter that new, more energy-efficient buildings will prove more carbon-friendly in the long term. Dan says, You can end up with weird circular arguments concerning embodied carbon, Yes, we should be reusing buildings, we shouldn't be knocking them down, but the question arises, if you can't reuse them, what do you do with them? 
This is particularly relevant when there is a housing crisis going on across Europe. Dan expects many offices will, for example, become redundant, with offices left semi-empty after the COVID-19 pandemic on top of structural changes and working methods through the digital transformation. Investors are reluctant to spend a small fortune retrofitting a building if it doesn't tick all the boxes on property fundamentals, such as location. The issue is complicated by the fact that office blocks often weren't built with longevity in mind. The average lifespan was expected to be 25 to 30 years. As parts and equipment such as lifts, air conditioning and windows wore out, landlords often opted for demolition over refurbishment. Against the backdrop of the race to net zero, property owners and developers need to look again at the impact of construction and redo calculations concerning refurbishment and construction. When developers are looking to construct, says Dan, they need to look to the longer term, up to 100 years, which will also impact costs. There's no doubt the ESG imperative is understood by investors, with nearly 90% of Patricia's surveyed clients stating they collect and use the ESG data from their real estate investments. However, the uncertainty of going green is having an impact on investors' decision-making. Dan says many investors will now not go near a building that does not have a particular rating. Other property owners want to avoid the capex of a major upgrade, so they seek to offload, especially as the pricing has been discounted. Dan argues that this creates opportunities. Despite reports to the contrary, the office market is not dead, but it is changing. You can now buy good buildings in terms of location, but they need money spent on them to make them more ESG compliant. Patrizia is involved in a number of refurbishment projects. Apart from the Louise, they include the transformation of a historic hotel at Tagus Square in Lisbon, a tower in Frankfurt, City of London offices, and the redevelopment of a complex of listed buildings on 32,000 square metres in Berlin, Lichtenberg. Dan says the company has experienced an uptick in redevelopment pitches in the last four months. A number of existing and potentially new clients have buildings with upcoming lease expiries where significant capex is required to match new tenants' expectations in terms of environmental standards. The beauty of us having an in-house development team is that most investment managers don't offer this service. It's been a real positive when we talk to clients because we can cover asset and fund management, fund services and development all in one and clients appreciate that. Dan says Patrizia is convinced that decarbonising buildings will make them more sustainable and be the main route for future-proofing assets. Historically, many within the real estate sector perceive climate-related risk as a negative, something that costs money, detracts from the value and reduces the life cycle of assets. We believe, and many clients agree, that brown to green is an opportunity to add value and to extend the life cycle of the asset, and for them to become more compliant with their ESG targets and to improve their ESG credentials. The results of the Patrizia Investor Survey also support a stronger focus on asset management, with the findings showing a shift in strategy and risk appetite, with debt, value-add and opportunistic ranked as the top three strategies where investors expect to increase allocations most over the next five years. These views underline a general trend towards modernising European real estate stock. Dan says... We believe in the opportunity to move brown into green. It is one of those rare examples where there's a strong investment case and at the same time it will make a real difference to cities, particularly with the climate crisis warning lights flashing already. From real estate decarbonisation considerations 
to social infrastructure in the Nordics. Our next featured article considers the early education and care provision in Finland, and how Kinland, a company built and owned by Patrizia, invests in high-quality preschool facilities in the country to meet demand. With fascinating insights into Finland's unique approach to early education and care, Wessel Chevenels, an operating partner at Patrizia Infrastructure, shares the investment rationale in support of Kinland's social infrastructure focus in our article entitled Supporting Smart Early Education Infrastructure in the Nordics. Child's play is anything but frivolous. As they build with blocks, dress dolls, bang drums and try to force square pegs into round holes, children's early experiences can have positive effects that set them up on a stronger, lifelong path. Learning starts in infancy, long before formal education begins and continues throughout life. But in particular, the time between birth and the commencement of school is a period of rapid brain development when billions of connections between individual neurons are established. When brain development in infants and young children is fully supported, they are more likely to graduate from high school and post-secondary education, attain gainful employment and live a life of physical and mental health and well-being. They are also more likely to avoid substance abuse and crime. American economist James Heckman, co-winner of the 2000 Nobel Memorial Prize in Economic Sciences, has quantified the benefits. He's shown that every $1 invested in quality early childhood programs can yield returns of between $4 and $16 to society through higher worker productivity, lower education costs, reduced crime and less government assistance. In later work, he has shown that high-quality preschool programs for disadvantaged children can deliver a 13% per year return on investment. Many societies recognise the benefit of early childhood programs and are investing in them. The Nordic countries in general, but Finland in particular, go out of their way to ensure preschool and kindergarten education is possible for even the poorest families. The parents of each of the 58,570 current Finnish preschoolers are legally entitled to subsidised, quality, full-time early education and care for their children. Municipalities are obliged to provide early childhood education and care services according to local needs, and if a family has a very low income, early childhood education may be free. The universal nature of the Finnish system creates significant demand for high-quality facilities that municipalities often struggle to match. This is where the private sector can tackle the imbalance between supply and demand. Wessel Chevenels, an operating partner at Patrizia Infrastructure, says, We invest in social facilities as if they are infrastructure. Based on our infrastructure experience, we see it as a sector that has the same characteristics, strong barriers to entry, long contracted cash flows that are 100% inflation linked and often stretch beyond 20 years, and there is low demand and occupancy risks, which makes it very different to real estate. Although Wessel is an economist by training, not an expert in early childhood development, his business acumen helped Patrizia create Kinland, a platform for social infrastructure investment in the Nordics. The resulting portfolio of care facilities enables private market players and authorities to deliver on their lofty social ambitions. It is a mutually beneficial model. Social care, preschool and care facilities for the elderly, is a regulated government-backed market in the Nordics which provides stability and security for investments, and often we work with local authorities to provide facilities within their area to meet the demands they face. 
Kinland is a social infrastructure company privately owned by Patricia on behalf of investors. Patricia Infrastructure bought 90% of Kinland in October 2019 for a consortium of institutional investors, including several Australian pension funds. As Wessel explains... That consortium was important as it provided a broad capital base that has enabled Kinland to significantly expand in the years since. Headquartered in Oslo in Norway, Kinland had 172 properties in its portfolio when acquired by Patricia Infrastructure. Since then, Kinland has invested widely throughout the Nordics. The latest purchase of an additional 31 social infrastructure properties in Finland in June 2023, 24 of them preschools, increased the number of assets now under management to 347, making Kinland a leading provider of preschools in the Nordics. Wessel says, It is important to note that from the investment side there is no operational risk. All risk sits with the tenants. Properties are typically leased to leading preschool operators of municipalities on long-term triple net contracts, with the tenant or leasee obliged to pay all property expenses, including real estate taxes, building insurance, and, most importantly, capex and maintenance. These expenses are in addition to the cost of rent and utilities. Operators receive around 78-88% to 88% of their preschool fees from municipalities backed by AAA or AA-plus rated countries, while parents pay the remaining fees. From the investment perspective, the cash flow of the portfolio provides a fixed revenue, escalated annually by inflation. Operational and occupancy risks are with the operator, and the said triple net nature of the contract secures a high EBITDA margin. With the most recent €70 million Euro addition to the portfolio, Kinland has grown its asset under management by approximately 90% since the company was acquired by the Patricia Infrastructure-led consortium in 2019 from the Pioneer Property Group. Wessel, who acted as the interim CEO for Kinland until Benjamin Torson was recruited in early 2021, says the recent acquisition continues Kinland's growth trajectory as a pre-eminent Nordic social infrastructure platform and strengthens our footprint in Finland in particular. Does Finland's emphasis on quality preschool make a difference? According to the Programme for International Student Assessment Study, PISA, by the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, a worldwide measurement of a 15-year-old's performance in mathematics, science and reading, the Finns score extraordinarily high. Invariably, they place well within the top 10 and are typically the first of the European, and often even of Western nations, and this is despite spending far less on average on students than the United States, for example. Undoubtedly, quality preschool education contributes to this, but it is a part of an overall lifelong emphasis Finns place on quality education and learning. Schools have no uniforms, honour societies, valedictorians or classes for the gifted. There is little standardised testing, few parents agonise over college, and children don't start school until aged seven. Instead, the emphasis is on concentrating on weaker students rather than pushing gifted students ahead. Wessel comments, There is a significant social emphasis in the preschool system in that it is highly accessible for families and allows people to participate in society how it suits them best. For example, if both partners want to pursue a career, they can do so knowing their children are receiving quality ECEC. Kinlan sees its mission to invest where people live as matching the needs of Nordic societies. 
It focuses on areas where demographic factors drive demand for preschool facilities such as cities and large urban areas which governments struggle to meet. Kinland's approach also fits well with Patrizia's broader long-term commitment to being an enabler of sustainable cities which meet the needs of the local population. Wessel says, We see ourselves as supporting this. We are seeking to use sustainable energy in our properties and work with the lessees to reduce waste. We aim to implement highly efficient HVAC systems too. It is all part of an approach where we actively assess our structures to achieve future-proof properties. This has led to Kinland being recognised by Gresb as most improved company in its sector, something the team can be extremely proud of. You have been listening to It Isn't Easy Being Green and supporting smart early education infrastructure in the Nordics. To access further articles from our latest Estatements magazine, head over to the Patrizia Real Insights Hub and look out for the article entitled The Tech Underpinning ESG, where you will find the full PDF of the edition. With articles on solar power's huge role in the energy transition, Patrizia's approach to implementing smart building solutions in its assets, efforts to reduce water waste, and many more, there is plenty to read at your leisure. To keep up to speed with this content and more, follow Patrizia on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.